0: The scripture reading today is Matthew 10:7 through 8. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. If you're looking for a way to do just what you saw in the video, uh, I pray that you open your Bible to Luke chapter 13 and verse 18 gospel of Luke chapter 13 in verse 18 what we just saw up on the screen is absolutely possible and for the way in which it's going to have an impact on our globe um, we're going to get a chance to be reminded of that again this morning right here through Jesus just as simple he asks a question What's the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and it became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked its way all through the dough. Pray with me, church. Father, we come to you this morning and we're asking your blessing on this word. And Father, I ask as you took um, a little boy's sack lunch so many years ago and broke it into a feast, that you would do the same thing with this sack lunch of a message. Please, move among us today through the power of your Holy Spirit. We also lift up to you Barnett Chapel. We realize today that they too are doing their best to let you know how thrilled they are that you have blessed their lives. They're trying to, um, to listen and study and be better disciples for you here in this community. We want to join our hearts with them, all who are disciples of Jesus Christ, and uh, to make truly an impact uh, that may be subtle, but is sensational in its own way. We ask us humbly in Jesus' name, and everyone say, amen. I saw him again this week. The guy sits at Walmart with his cowboy hat and his dog, reading his Bible. I have not yet stopped to ask him his name nor what his purpose is there, but I doubt that he's doing his quiet time at Walmart. I have a feeling that when I talk to him, he's going to tell me that he's doing his best to share Jesus with as many people who will stop and sit on his bench and talk to him. Now, that is a totally biblical an absolutely acceptable way to share Jesus to our world, but it's not one of the ones that God calls many of us to. If you believe that's true and you would want to say amen to that, turn to your partner and say amen. Now, we don't do that loudly because it, we may want to do that, but I think, to be honest, most of us don't. They just don't. Um, there are some folks who went this week door to door to share their faith I wasn't one of them one summer I tried that like I told you last week I'd been whipped into a frenzy by a guest speaker coming into our church and basically saying if the Mormons are doing it why aren't we so I signed up and went out on Saturday and did my best to knock doors and share Christ And it just seemed invasive it just seemed debative and it just didn't fit me very well i'm not going to ask you to do it again but most of you are thinking secretly i hope god's not not asking us to do that then there was a guy by the name of cecil he was a brother in christ who attended the university avenue church of christ in austin right there on the ut campus his method of reaching out to the lost meant dressing in all black and standing in the square on the ut campus And preaching the gospel to any student or squirrel who would stop long enough to listen and he was laughed at but at the same time over I think the 10 years that I I knew that he had been a part of doing that there were some people who came to know Christ and I think secretly deep down inside we're just glad God didn't call us to do that sitting on benches in Walmart knocking on doors standing in a public square shouting to anyone who, who will stop and listen for just a second about who Christ is to your life, most of us would say, if that's what evangelism is, thanks but no thanks. And I just want to say to you, if, if that's what you think it is, if, if making disciples has to be that eccentric and that out of the norm, that, can I just say it, a little bit weird, it doesn't. It just doesn't. Because Jesus himself, through this parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven, show us God chooses what appears to be insignificant and he takes it and makes it highly influential. He chooses to do that to reach lost people. He chooses that method to expand his kingdom of influence. Those were his words. Let me tell you what the kingdom of God expanding looks like. It looks like that, that seed planted in the ground and pressing him through the earth. and and finally becoming a great tree. That doesn't happen overnight. matter of fact, it's kind of subtle. It's kind of, kind of quiet. But my, what an impact it has. It's like the, the leaven that you put inside some dough. And, and that fermenting process causes it to expand. You leave the room. And in about an hour, you come back. And you go, oh my goodness, look at that. Let's bake it. It's like that. And I love that. And I just want to say, if you want to hear more about that, please tune in to the lesson last week. Take 35 minutes out of your week. Maybe if you're traveling, going somewhere, doing the laundry, the wash, mowing the grass, put the earphones in. And I don't normally ask those from the KCC church to listen to my messages, but I usually do when, number one, I think they'll be a blessing to you, and number two, when they are they a part of what we're asking of our entire church family to be involved with. And you know what? Blessing our neighborhoods is something that our leadership is asking us all to be involved with. Now, if the video that we just saw resonates with you at all and you wish some way, somehow, you could reach out more if you only knew how, it's your lucky day. Actually, it's your lucky three weeks. Last week, this week, and next week we wrap up. We started last week with some very, very ordinary steps to doing that in your neighborhood. They're not eccentric. They're not weird. But they are, listen to me, out of the norm. Don't apologize for that, though. Only because it is not normal in America to know your neighbor at all. (laughs) Our home is our castle. Literally. Withdrawn, removed, and protected. Some even come equipped with moat-filled alligators. We call them chihuahuas in Texas. But Jesus reminds us that he gave us two commandments he expects us to obey. To live out in our lives. And they're simple. Love God and love our neighbor. And it's the second one that we're taking specific aim in 2017 at trying to get better at as a church family. And all through bless. All through a way of loving people that we just simply call blessed. No method, no approach, no program. Just we want you to bless people's lives. And we want you to believe it matters in your neighborhood. Sister, if you've been blessed by God's grace at all, you qualify. If you've been touched by the way that he has provided for you, you qualify. If you said yes to Jesus Christ and He's taken away your sins and filled you with this Holy Spirit and you'd just like to say thank you with your life, you qualify because that's all we're talking about. And He'd like for you to start with your neighbors. How? We saw this last week begin with prayer. It's always a great place to start if you want to make an influence for God in anywhere and anything. And here's why. Because God says some bold things about prayer whatever you ask in my name I will do that the father might be glorified through his son if you ask anything in my name I will do it now as I said last week I don't think that applies to an iPhone that you'd like to see under your pillow in the morning I'm not sure it applies to losing 50 pounds in 50 days for those of you who'd like to I'm not sure it applies to that but I have to believe that it applies especially to something God commanded. And he asks me to love him. I think he'll help me do that. And he loves it when I pray to him about that. He asks me to love my neighbor. And I think he is literally beside himself, sitting on his throne going, somebody please ask if I will help them see what their neighbor needs and then resource them in it. Come on, somebody ask me because I will do it. Now, if that applies to anything in life, I think it has to apply to what we're talking about when we're talking about blessing our neighbors. And i got to believe if I asked him, Lord, would you give me an opportunity to please just listen to one of my neighbors? Don't you think he'd want to set that thing up? <laughs> whether you're going to your mailbox or whether you're, you're you're pushing your trash can out to the front of the driveway. Or maybe you're just walking up and down the street to get some exercise I have found that God is amazing how he sets us up with people that he needs to love on it's amazing especially when you want to listen to them because you know what there are a ton of people in your neighborhood who have a story to tell about their life but no one to listen to and one of the easiest ways that you can love your neighbor one of the least costly of ways that you can love your neighbor is just simply to listen to them and you can do that by asking a couple of questions hey tell me about the car in your driveway have you always driven Fords when you talk to them about how they came to the neighborhood how long they lived there what's the name of their kids where are they at what are they doing easy questions just to begin to convert them no love them just simply to bless their lives because that's all we're asking you to be about. This little anacronym called BLESS is just simply that, a way of intentionally loving on some people that God has put around us, specifically in our neighborhoods. You may not be a guest speaker. No one may ever ask you to please come and share your heart publicly with the group. You may not be a very good singer. We love that you sing out, but we're not gonna put a mic in your hand, okay? We've heard you sing. All right, Sing and make a joyful noise, but do it back there at the back. You may not have a great voice to sing. You may not have a, a great voice to teach and, and a great recollection of the things you've studied that I've often been prayed for to give. But you know what? You can listen. You can, you can pray for people without them ever even knowing it, and you can just listen to them. And you know what you can listen for? We talked about this last week just a little bit. You can listen for their name names matter I've watched it again today just as I've, I've met a few folks and, and mentioned their name it just it oh he remembers my name and, and, I, and I don't get that right a lot of the time and I'm, I'm trying to get better at it as a matter of fact I work on it hard for a church this size I work on it often but when I do remember people's names it just for a moment they feel a little bit more significant not because I'm the preacher man but because I'm just a person and when any person remembers our name it just lifts us a little bit doesn't it it fills us with a little bit of significance because every day, day in and day out, we get stuff thrown at us that says, You don't matter. <laughs> Significant, you're, you're instant. You died today, the world just goes on tomorrow. They don't even miss a beat, they don't miss a lick. It's amazing how when I mention Helen's name on our street or her, her son Bill, it matters. Or when I mention James and Barbara Penland's name next door, we see each other a lot, but when I mention their name, it still matters. EJ and Jay that live next door to us on the right, when I mention their names, I have to say it, EJ, Jay, because they're deaf. Literally. Because they never can hear the chihuahua next door whenever it's yapping. We still love them. Across the street is Bill and Suzanne. They love it whenever I mention their names. How do I know that? Is it some secret thing I found out? No. I love it when someone mentions my name. And you do too helps them know that they matter and everybody that I have ever met wants to know that they matter and so we're just asking you would you bless them begin with prayer and listen and you know what if you use that name over a meal if you'll eat with them you'll take that whole level of significance and raise it to a new height it's amazing what happens when you speak someone's name across from your dinner table Do you know what the National Neighborhood Day is? September 28th. If you want to get out your phones and and mark that, you're welcome to. We'll come back to that a little bit later as to why. September the 28th will forever be um, entrenched in my mind because when I first moved to the Oak Hills Church, it was one of the first assignments that I was given as a campus minister for the Fredericksburg Church there. So we started walking our neighborhood we'd been introduced to bless but we really hadn't practiced it Gail and I have always had uh, an affinity for those that were close to us and our neighbors and loving on them but uh, we began with prayer just started walking up and down our streets we didn't stop at someone's house and lower our head or raise our hands when we prayed for them we just we just kept walking and anything that we saw about their house or what was going on in their yard maybe they had kids there or maybe we saw some company we just prayed for them but you know what we moved in August to the Oak Hills Church and September 28th that was coming on pretty fast and so we couldn't wait very long for God to, to have our pass cross. with with one or two it did but we had to end up going up and knocking on people's doors because I really wanted to make a good impression you know being the new campus minister and everything doing what the leadership was asking me felt uncomfortable about knocking on people's doors but you know what they said they suggested that so I said okay I'll do that we invited Everyone on our block and, and a couple that were off the streets because we knew that they were connected to those folks We knocked on seven doors and invited seven families. We just simply said this hi. We're the sportsman's um, National Neighborhood Day is coming up September the 28th Didn't know if you knew that or not, but we're gonna have a little soiree over there at the sportsman's place Love to have you come nothing big uh, We have some finger foods and if you want to bring a dessert bring that in your lawn chair and We'll just we'll have a quiet evening together um, Here's our here's our number text us or call us and let us know if you're coming we invited seven different households. All seven came. Every single one of them. And we couldn't believe it. Fourteen people, there in our front yard. We would be glad to have four, all right? All seven said yes, and they showed up. And I don't know whether it was because of prayer. I don't know if it was because it was National Neighbor Day. God never really reveals what it's all about. It could have been because we were living in what was known as the trash house. Literally, in that neighborhood. The couple before us had, had kind of let things run down so much that the, they, they, they swear by this that the trash became so high in their garage that when they finally foreclosed on the house it took two full big dumpsters you know the ones that they lay out look like railroad cars two full dumpsters just to get it out of the garage which wasn't a garage it was a carport you could see it all that's how it became known as the trash house well Gail with her magic worked on it and um, before we had folks come over uh, she had turned that from the trash house into the uh, Acorn Bed and Breakfast, and the sportsmen lived there. Maybe they came just to see the insides of that. I don't know, but they came, and it was a hoot. We didn't have fireworks. We didn't cook steaks. We didn't have open bar. We didn't. We just had some folks over for some something to drink and a little bit of food. And I am telling you, it was just it, like falling off a log to say, hey, how long have you guys been in the neighborhood? How'd you get here? And then what's your name? We did that for about an hour and a half, almost two hours, to the point finally I said, folks, would you all go home? Please, it's my bedtime, go home. You think I'm joking, I'm not. They would have stayed, I don't know how long they would have stayed. And most of these folks were over 70. Needed something to do. We had a great time, and we... We just enjoyed what that springboarded into. I don't mean this in any any hypothetical way or any built-up way. Our neighborhood ministry was the most endearing part of our lives of having been with Oak Hills. We were loved by our neighbors, and we loved our neighbors. We didn't seek to convert them. We just sought to bless it. And the results were amazing. Some people came and joined us for Thanksgiving dinner at our home. Some came at Christmas dinner. Some visited our church at Oak Hills, yes. They joined part of the ministry journey there. Some came to Christ, yes. But those were in Carlene's neighborhood when we went over to help her have her first neighborhood get together. And what came out of that was just absolutely amazing. We never handed out pamphlets about when our services were. Never invited someone to a Bible study. Because our goal wasn't to do anything but to love them. That's all. In an organized way called bless, but just to love on them. And I'd never had someone put it all together in this nice little package. And that's why I'm sharing it with you because it's been a blessing to us. Huge. Now, did we talk about Jesus in some of those get-togethers? Absolutely. When your cup's full of Him, it's going to spill out and spill over into your conversation and your relationships. It doesn't have to be forced. It's just part of your life. And if you're asking about theirs, you know what I found out? People don't mind asking you about yours most of the time. It really was a blessing. But our, our goal was not to convert anybody. It wasn't. Just to bless them. Because you know why? I'm going to share biblically why. It's not my job to convert anybody. That's God's job. Paul explained it here in the book of 1 Corinthians. We each carried out our servant assignment. I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God made you grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who is at the center of this process, but it's God who makes things grow. Planting and watering are menial servant jobs at minimum wages. What makes them worth doing is the God that we're serving. You happen to be God's field into which we're working. I don't know how you read that. I read it as more than just a testimony of what Paul did. I kind of read it as what God's saying. Here's the simple, subtle way I'd like for you to expand the kingdom in your life. The mustard seed way. The leaven way. Listen, your responsibility is simply to plant some seeds. It's my responsibility to bring the growth mine in every neighborhood that you live in for the rest of my life in every neighborhood that I live in that's going to be my goal just simply to be one of those who plants the love of Christ in people's lives and then I'm going to trust that God's going to do what he said he would do and that is grow that now I've witnessed how powerfully that can happen how that can change not only your life but somebody else's life and it's one of the reasons why I couldn't wait to get to this aspect of our relationship together to say, Can I tell you about something that's way cool? And God, through time and through getting to know one another, has brought me to a place that I feel like this is something that you can hear from me that's not the next greatest method for winning people to Jesus Christ. No, this is the same old method He's been using all along. I'm just kind of pointing you back to paying attention to what He's been doing, what He's calling us to. One of the most natural things in the world. One of the most subtle things in the world. One of the most sublime things in the world. Just sit down and have a meal with somebody. But it's one of the most influential that I've ever seen. It's amazing what walls come down. It's amazing what relationships begin to form. Now, this blessing your neighbor, this beginning in prayer, this... listening to people, this eating with people. If it starts anywhere, if it starts with any neighbor, all right, it needs to start in your home. Listening to and praying for, and I want to encourage you, moms and dads, eating with those neighbors. Now, you might think it's strange that I would encourage you to eat with your family. But it's becoming one of the stranger things that's taking place in America which is interesting to me interesting to me because I had no idea at how far we have come from just doing the simple things together and I thought it was kind of strange that the sixth month that I was there Oak Hills put together a group of videos to show people how to have a family dinner and I thought really I don't want to push those for our church, and so I didn't do that much because I didn't think it was needed much. Oh, was I wrong. Man, have I found out how incredibly needed it is just to encourage moms and dads to sit around the table and have dinner with their kids again. Now, none of that's easy. Weird things happen when you sit down with your family, when you invite neighbors in, when you have them there. Who knows what's going to happen at a, at a meal, all right? Sometimes it's funny things that happen. A youth minister at a community church was having some families over for dinner one night. They happened to be some from the neighborhood. The kids were playing in the front room, rambunctiously. Mom rushes in like moms can do and say, hey, 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 take that to your room. We got some guests coming over, want it to look nicer when they get there. Things were a little bit tense in the house when the neighbors arrived. They sat down to the dinner table and uh, got ready to pray, and mom said to the six-year-old little boy that was sitting at the table that was hers, Would you mind saying the prayer? Mom, you didn't say anything about praying tonight. I don't know what to say. She said, well, just just say what mommy says. So he took a deep sigh, and he prayed. Dear Lord, why did I have all these people over for dinner tonight? When you sit down with your kids or when you sit down with your neighbors, I want to assure you, you never know what's going to come out of their mouths. You don't. But I want to encourage you, it's worth the effort, both with those out and with those within. But can I take five minutes to really encourage moms and dads to have those those meals with your kids as often as you possibly can? I want to show you how significant they are. They did a study. The National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia University. Here's what they found. Children who have family dinners are four have, who have family dinners four or more times in a week, you with me? Children who have family dinners four or more times in a week are less likely to be overweight, less likely to do drugs, more likely to eat healthy food, more likely to excel academically, and more likely to have healthy relationships with their parents. Now, you'd think with that kind of information available, people would be having family meals if they had nothing else in their family. they didn't have a TV, we're going to have a family meal. But what their study found out is that from a quarter to a third of all families in North America, both the United States and in Canada, seldom eat together as a family. Seldom. And 14% never eat together as a family. When I grew up, that was true in my house. Mom and dad ate in the living room, and we ate at the kitchen table. And my family is a mess. I don't mean the cute colloquial mess, I'm telling you my family is a mess. God knew long before any psychological survey or sociological survey the importance of meals. Look in the Old Testament, the Bible is chock full of reasons why our families need the fellowship of meals together. In the Old Testament, the passing of the blessing from the the father, down to the sun. You saw it in Jacob and Esau, remember that? It involved a meal. When the covenant that was sealed with, with Abraham, that, that Abraham and Sarah were going to have a child, God chose a meal to seal the deal. When we move to the New Testament, we see Jesus modeling in his own life how important it is to come together and enjoy a meal. This, this shocked me. In the Gospel of Luke, nine times, in some of the most significant and defining moments in his ministry, All those took place in a meal. Looking at the early days of the church, one of the mainstays, if not arguably the centerpiece of their coming together for worship for over 300 years. It was part of the body of Christ as they met in homes. It was a meal. We call it the Lord's Supper. Supper. It's interesting that Revelation chapter 19 and verse 9 as we fast forward through time and we get a picture from Jesus about what our reunion with brothers and sisters is going to look like. What seeing him face to face is most going to be like that we could understand and get in our our society. He says it's it's going to be called the marriage supper of the Lamb. (laughs) And it's going to be a blowout meal. Isaiah prophesied long before Jesus even touched the earth here. He says when that when that day comes, when the Messiah has that supper with all of us in his kingdom, I mean the ultimate kingdom, not the one that's just broken to our world now, but the fulfillment of, of everything that we have attached to the word kingdom, it is going to be one blowout celebration. Best food, best drink. It will be a party, And we understand that. We go, really? Yes. And if you have been a follower of Christ and a friend of Christ, you're going to have a place on a little placard on those little white cute things that has your name on it. And you'll be a special guest, VIP. I love that. And sometimes it's what gets me through some of the darkest times in my life that don't feel like a party, that don't feel like a celebration. Jesus says it's coming. Tim Kimmel writes, I'm convinced that one of the most important spiritual disciplines for us to recover in the kind of world we live in is the discipline of table fellowship. In this fast-paced, tech-saturated, attention-deficit-disordered culture in which we find ourselves, Christians need to recover the art of slow meals around the table with each other. I think he's dead on. If my wife, <laughs> and bless her heart, when she gets her eyes and, and, and her attention on something that we need for our family, she is not going to be shaken easily. And, and I am telling you, when I look back on how we raised our kids, I am thankful that she didn't move on this one. She insisted that every one of us get together for a meal at least once a day. Sometimes it couldn't be at supper, but at least once a day. And I can count on one hand on the times that my kids maybe weren't out of town, that we didn't do that. Five times a week, she insisted that one of those meals was the supper meal. Insisted. And I would say we probably came closer to six, but I would say most of the time we we nailed five. I'd say 95% of the time. Take away our television. Take away what our kids did in extracurricular activities, but don't take away the time that we had around the table. That's how significant I look back and go, those times really mattered. Because it's the small things that matter. God loves to do big things with small deeds. And I know some of what I'm talking about here just seems like small potatoes. But you know what? What's small to you is huge to so many people. A guy by the name of Bon Fox would tell you that it's true. During World War II, he piloted a B 17 bomber. And on one mission, he sustained some flak from Nazi anti aircraft guns. And even though his gas tanks were hit, you heard me, his gas tanks were hit, the plane didn't explode. And Fox was able to actually land the plane and walk away from it. On the morning following the raid, Fox asked the crew chief for the German shell that he knew had to be in his gas tank. He wanted it as a souvenir to to mark their incredible fortune. Well, the crew chief explained, it wasn't just one shell that hit the gas tanks. Listen to me, it was 11. 11. None of them exploded. Technicians opened the missiles and found them void of any explosive charge. They were clean and they were harmless, with one exception, one was filled with something. They opened it up and carefully unrolled a piece of paper and the message, scrawled in the Czech language, simply translated this. This is all we can do for now. This is all we can do for now. Somewhere, a courageous assembly line worker was simply disarming bombs and scribbling a note. He couldn't end the war. He could save one plane. He couldn't do everything, but he could do something. And so he did it. He did it. Didn't talk about it. Didn't have a seminar about it. Didn't break it down and study it. He just did it. Because God does big things with small deeds. Against a towering giant, Max Locator writes, a brook pebble seems futile but God used it to topple Goliath. Compared to the tithes of the wealthy, a widow's coin seems puny. But Jesus used it to inspire us to give sacrificially. And in contrast with sophisticated priests and powerful Roman rulers, a cross suspended carminer seems nothing but a waste of time. Few Jewish leaders mourned his death. Only a handful of friends buried his body. The people turned their attention back to the temple, and why not? What power does a buried rabbi have? We know the answer. Mustard seed, leaven lump power. Power to tear away death rags and push away death rocks. Power to change history. I love that. Because church, in the hands of our great God, small deeds are turned into life-changing Life changing events and moments and help. Small seeds grow into sheltering trees. Tiny leaven expands into nourishing loaves. Friends, never doubt small deeds can change a large world. Keep, keep planting. Keep, keep putting that little yeast that you have in the lump. Pray for your neighbors inside and out of your home. Listen to the neighbors inside and out of your home and then eat with them as often as you can. Those may seem like small things in in this large world, but God does great things with small things. I love this poem that Max ended with, this little vignette of his. Moses had a staff, David had a sling, Samson had a jawbone, and Rahab had a string. Mary had some ointment, Aaron had a rod, Dorcas had a needle, and all were used. I know not everybody can serve in a foreign land. I know not everyone can lead a relief effort or volunteer to downtown soup kitchen. I know that. But honestly, who can't show hospitality? You have a front door? You have a table? You have some chairs? you have some bread? You have enough to make some sandwiches? Congratulations, you've qualified to serve in the most ancient of ministries. We started this series calling it "Hospitality." Something happens around a dinner table that will never happen here in the sanctuary. Never. It's because you're looking mostly at the back of heads. Or if that, you're looking at one person up here. But when you gather around a table, you're looking at faces and you're hearing their stories. Multiple stories, not just my story. Something wonderful happens. You may think they're just coming over for a visit when you invite a neighbor to come. Listen to me. You're saying to them, you matter. That's something. God is not asking you to go sit in Walmart, be witness to people from a bench. He's not asking you to stand in the middle of a town square dressed in black and shout out the gospel to people. He is not asking you to go door to door and say, Can I talk to you about Jesus? You know what He's asking? Would you just be a blessing? You do the blessing part. I'll do the converting and maturing part. What do you say we bless in people's lives? We're going to sing in a few moments how great our God is because we want everybody to know. But I want you to know this morning, if you walk in here and you're not feeling that He's so great, because you feel like maybe He's abandoned you, we want to help with that. We want to look into your eyes and remind you, you matter. You matter. And that this good God of ours may be allowing you to walk through some difficult things right now, but he is working them all together for his good. Could we pray for you to do that? And if you walked in here today saying, I'd like to be a part of a family like this, I'd like to be a part of a a community of people who've trusted in Christ and have this as their mission, this makes sense to me, then we'd love to to welcome you to be a part of our family. Come find me. We'll baptize you into Jesus Christ today. Or if you're already a Christian just want to join this, this work here, We want to talk to you about our great starting point class. It will be starting pretty soon. But right now, we want to talk to you about how you can take your next steps with Jesus Christ. Let's stay in church. Let's give Him praise.